0: Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer.
1: This is Making Waves at Sea Level the podcast for those who like to shake things up in business and are focused on growth and success. This episode is co-produced in partnership with the Austin Technology Council. ATC has been an association that has been focused on promoting the growth and facilitating bringing people together in the tech community in Central Texas for over 30 years. Over the past three decades, the business ecosystem in Austin, wow, it has changed a lot. And ATC is changing, too. Learn more at austintechnologycouncil.org. My name is Tom Singer, and I have been hosting this podcast for over eight years and almost 750 episodes. Yep, in addition to being the CEO at the Austin Technology Council, I also am a professional podcaster who loves to bring stories that are going to get you excited and make you take action. And today, I am happy to have Stephen Levine. Stephen is the founder and president of Grapevine PR. Hey, Stephen, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much, Tom. Thanks for having me.
1: So I invited Stephen to the show, not just because he's an active member of the Austin Technology Council, but he is also the author of a brand new book. He and his business partner have just released stories that effing matter. Yeah, you can fill in that whole word if you want. And it is all about how do you tell your epic stories in PR so that your company can grow and expand? So Stephen, for those who don't know you, uh, I just want to share a couple things about you. So He helps his clients get the media coverage that they need that's going to elevate their brands and profiles. And really, all of us in business, that's what we need to do, because if nobody knows who you are, they can't buy your product or service. He has been in the PR game for almost 20 years, and the guy is crazy about two things, probably more than two things, but he's crazy about coffee, and he's crazy about travel. So, Stephen, when you travel, do you experience the coffee from all around the world?
0: Yes, absolutely. I I try to get into every coffee shop I possibly can. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. All right. So you actually work, Grapevine PR
1: actually works with celebrities, with tech companies, with authors and influencers.
0: How did you get into the PR game? So um, I was a huge music fan and... I really I was at the end of high school and I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I loved sharing uh my favorite artists' CDs and you know, memorabilia with them. And one day my dad, who is an HR professional, he said, maybe you should be a publicist. And I had no idea what that was. And I went to school and studied it and I realized there was a, a natural love love of it because it kind of fused Business, business with a little bit of creativity, and uh, you know, and I've always loved to tell stories, and I've always just naturally loved to promote things and people that I that I love. So that's uh, essentially how I got into to public relations. Awesome. So
1: let's jump over to this book. You and your co-author Garrett McClure just released "Stories That Effing Matter." So first of all, you know what what was the reason for writing the book?
0: So I. Well, over the years, we've been asked a lot about, you know, what sort of, what, what, how, how do you view PR? Like, what's, what's, what's the lens that you view it through? And I always think, you know, there's a few steps that that that, that people we've talked to, or just in general that I've heard, steps that are left out when going after press coverage. And those are, number one, you've got to know what your goal is. Why Why do you want that press coverage? Is it is it visibility? Is it awareness? Or is there a greater goal there? Is there brand building? Is there, are there you know sales and generating traffic? But also, before you go to the press, you need to know what your story is. You, you don't want to just sling stuff at the wall. You really want to know what exactly, what's the message you want to get across. So in sort of going through this and, and deconstructing how we do things, Uh, Garrett and I basically just kind of re not re-engineered, but we deconstructed the way that we help our clients get uh, media coverage. And that's in what, what the story is, you know, there's just one, one thing I want to mention is um, there's a big emphasis placed on having relationships with media contacts. But the thing is so many of them move around these days that you really can't depend upon that. And even when you go to somebody that you have a relationship with already, if you don't have a really good story on behalf of your client or a really good pitch, it, it doesn't really matter. But when, what I found time after time is when we have a really good pitch and a really good story, that's when, you know, I can reach out to somebody I've never spoken to before and get an immediate con, you know response back. So we, we really thought we would put together in a book, what, make, what really makes a compelling story, um, whether it's for our clients, for us, or just in general to share with uh, somebody that has a business or a brand.
1: So what are some of the mistakes that people make in PR? I mean, I see people make mistakes all the time, people who aren't skilled in it. They think that there's a lot of things they can do. They think they can just sort of spray and pray uh, a press release. What what are some of those mistakes that people make along the way?
0: I think number one, putting out press releases when there's not really a newsworthy hook. I think just like kind of like you said, just spraying it, just putting things out there for the sake of putting it out there and a lack of strategy. And and, I, and again, I would come back to not knowing what your goal is. Uh, so many people just want press for the sake of getting press. And they don't realize that if you don't have a strategy behind it, if you, if you, if you haven't outlined your goals, why you want that press, not only is it not going to be effective, but you might, you know, crash and burn, you know, you really want to know what your end goal is. And that way you can tailor your story and your messaging towards that end so
1: you bring up the idea of having a newsworthy hook but everybody thinks that their thing is newsworthy but but it's not so so how do you even know if what you've got is newsworthy
0: i mean in terms of press releases and and i'm personally i'm i'm a bit opposed to i i would much rather focus on putting uh doing media outreach with pitch pitches like personalized emails Uh, Rather than press releases, I think press releases are, you know, a great tool in your toolbox when you have something that's really finite, something like a personnel announcement, an award, something where there's like, you know, an event. Um, So so obviously uh, there are specific newsworthy hooks you know, like that, where there's just something to be announced and there's obviously it's newsworthy and, you know, how newsworthy it is that, could, you know, that depends on who is issuing the press release. Um, You know, a celebrity putting out a press release or a major brand, a Johnson and Johnson or something like that is obviously going to get a lot more attention for their cover, you know, uh, for their press release or their um, announcement than somebody that's kind of just you know, not, not an, as much of a known commodity, but when it's a pitch, I think it's got to be a bit more nuanced and it's got to be a bit more interesting. And it's more about telling a story than just kind of putting out an announcement. So ultimately, you know, it's all subjective really, whether something's newsworthy or not, but you've got to kind of think through the lens of a producer. What would it, you know, what would number one, the, the, the mass media, members of the media, journalists and whomever, what would they think is newsworthy in the context of what's going on in the news cycle and their beat of coverage, what they cover, but also what might the general public think is newsworthy. So rather than kind of thinking, I think this is newsworthy because I want to get media attention, whatever I do is special. Really, you've got to kind of take yourself out of the equation and think about what, what would the audience think is newsworthy and, you know, obviously, that's what the what that's what journalists and producers are are aiming to um, to do.
1: So you bring up an interesting thing. You talk about the, the individual reporter or journalist. What is their beat of coverage? Because the truth is, is that not every story, not every pitch is going to be right for every outlet or every journalist within that outlet. So how do you even get to know who, who are the journalists who cover you know your area of
0: expertise? Right, right. This is something we talk about in the book, which is building immediate building your target media list. Because again, when once you have your story, then you've got to figure out. Well, you, you've got to define your own audience, but then you've got to def- you've got to define the audience. Uh, you know, the uh, of journalists. You know that you're going after. So. It takes a little bit of digging and a little bit of research. If you're a publicist, if you're in the media, you might have access to, you know, a database like C- we use Cision or Muckrack. They're really handy. They're helpful. They give you a- practically every bit of information uh, down to the contact information. If you don't have that, uh, one of the things uh, that you can do is you can look in a print magazine's masthead. Um, and you could see you know is this person an associate editor? Is this person a senior editor? You can kind of like dig around and find out what exactly somebody's role is with an outlet. If you don't have that and you know and again, if, if it's an online outlet, you might not have access access to that. If you if it's a broadcast outlet or a podcast, you might not have access to that. So you've got to do a little bit of research. you've got to you know possibly go on a website and kind of go through the section that you feel is you know most, be fitting. So let's say you have a food and beverage brand, you know, you might go on, um, you know, a magazine's website and go to the food section or the lifestyle section and really kind of like get as specific as possible until you find those editors that are writing about the subjects that relate to you or your brand. And that's sort of, you know, that's that's the easiest way to figure out who it is. Um, But then, you know, then you've got to do the next part, which is how who who you know how do you contact them and that's really where a publicist comes in in handy but if you don't have you know if you don't have a publicist it just takes a little bit of digging around and research so
1: the subtitle of the book is Three Pillars of Epic Storytelling to Dominate Media Headlines, Win Clients, and Grow Your Business. So I want to get to what the three pillars are. But first, that final one is And Grow Your Business. How does PR really help someone grow their business? If you get some press coverage, how does that really impact the bottom line?
0: Well, one of the, I would say, taking it a step a step back is, is is I feel that often uh, you know, business owners or, or whomever, solopreneurs, they may think that PR is the only way to grow your business and that just getting like getting a hit in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or on the Today Show is 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 it. It's 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 it that's it. You're gonna sell you know X amount of your product that's not exactly how it works. Sometimes the, the funny thing is you can get a big hit like that and not see any traffic or anything and then get, you know, something much smaller and, and, you know, okay. do really well. So it's really about consistency, just like advertising is about, you know, consistency. I always like to, uh, to focus on, on the importance of that, but it's really about uh, a, a long-term goal of getting, you know, of, of telling your story of, of getting, um, uh, of, of, honing your messaging of making sure that, you know, each, each time you get press coverage, a different audience is going to see, you know, is going to learn about you. So it's, it's not just a kind of one and done where you get in one, you know, major um, you, know, you get one piece of major press coverage and that's it. It's really like, you've got to keep chiseling away at it. Um, so it's, it's a long-term strategy, but um So, so I want to focus on that, but I would say in terms of from on the long game, it's about people learning what your company or what your brand or what you are all about, why you do what you do and getting them engaged and getting them enrolled in what you do so that they become loyal followers, fans, consumers, clients. Um, And every time you get press coverage, you have an opportunity to do that, to tell your story, to talk about what what's important to you, what's important to your brand and you know your brand's values and and so forth. So that's really what the focus should be on I feel is less about the attention that it brings and more about the opportunity to you know educate your audience about why you're out there and the you know in the in the zeitgeist. <laughs> All right, so let's get to those three pillars,
1: the three pillars of epic storytelling what 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 does that mean and what are these pillars?
0: So three pillars that we've uh, come up with that really are part of every story that you tell. And, and sometimes one may be a little, you know, lean a little heavier. But the first one is your roots. And this is essentially how you were raised, your, you know, your family background, your, you know, geographic. You know, if for instance, did you grow up, as, you know, with, with a parent that was in the military and you traveled all over the, you know, all, all over the country, all over the world? you're going to have a different perspective on the world than somebody that may, maybe grew up in a small town, lived on a farm and, you know, didn't move out of that, um, that area until they were, you know, their thirties. So, so it's your educational background. It's you, you know, your volunteerism, it's all those things that sort of make up your, let's say your origin story, those sort of show your audience, um, they contextualize for your audience where you've come from and how you see the world and they build familiarity and connection. Your second pillar is your stakes, not like a steak on the barbecue, but your stakes like the level of risk that you've taken, the level of investment, how much you know money you've poured into your idea or your vision, how much time. So for instance, were you you know were you a single mother that was working on the side coming up with a product? Are you, did you, you know, did you mortgage your house? Did you take, you know, did you take a home equity line out, mortgage your entire house to see your company succeed? It's, it's those kinds of, for instance, um, for me, it was, I was working at a, uh, a, a, a corporate PR firm and I really wanted to see my own company succeed. And I basically took the risk of, you know, getting, quitting, getting fired, with not really any money coming in, because I knew that I wanted to do this. And I knew that I wanted to control the kinds of clients that I represented. And, you know, so that was that was my level of stake. So it's it's really about showing number one for your audience, why, you, why it's important to you why you do what you do, but also, it builds the arc of the story, which is the, the drama of it. And the third pillar is your impact. And this is really, you know, your product, your service, your idea, so whatever it is that you're giving back. So if, you know, you're a nonprofit, it might be the cause. Um, If you have a tech company, it might be, you know, the products that you offer. So, um, and that's really where you build enrollment in your audience. That's where you get your audience to go, okay, this is the call to action. I I like this person. I like this company. Now I like what they're doing. And I'm now going to either purchase it, get involved. and, um, And so those are the three pillars that you sort of weave together and you build your, um, you know, your epic story to then go to the media with.
1: So on the back of the book, you know, you talk about the fact that why are your greatest, what are your, why are your greatest weaknesses and failures may be the key to that success. So that kind of goes to what you were talking about there, about your background and things like that. But so many people in business, they never want to talk about their failures. They come out there and they're, they're all fake and they're all like, oh, you know, all (laughs) I've ever done in business is hit home runs. And, you know, I asked someone one time, you know, what was a mistake? That you made. And she looked at me and she said, what are you implying? It was like, well, there's no way you're a human being who, you know, been in this business for a few years and you haven't made a mistake. And she's like, I, I, I," and she got all mad at me. And it was like, but, but that's part of our growth, right? That's part of our thing. So do people want to take some of those stumbles and mistakes along the way and, and lead with them in, in their PR and and just their general
0: life (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, really, I mean, failures are are also your gold. It's where you learn a lesson each time you, you know, I mean, successes are great, but if we had no failures to, you know, con- contrast them against, it wouldn't be very exciting. So not only does it show vulnerability and, you know, and it shows um, that you're a human being and, you know, other people appreciate that, but it also shows really the gold of like, it it again contextualizes for your audience your passion that you failed but you've continued to persist and you have continued to to you know you didn't throw up your hands and go all right this doesn't mean enough to me for me to continue so i'm just going to give up so i would i wouldn't i wouldn't rely heavily on them but i would sprinkle them in your story if it helps to tell the you know, the greater story of, of why you're doing what you're doing and, and what exactly it is that what kind of impact that you're, you know, you're making.
1: So I like that, that sometimes the, those little stumbles and failures are the gold that's behind your successes. I mean, that, that makes me feel real good. Cause that means I have a lot of gold. Cause I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not shy about the fact that I'm not the smartest person in the room and I make a lot of mistakes, but I just get out there and I keep swinging for the fences uh, uh, with some stumbles, stumbles along the way there. So, you know, thinking about the the generalities of the book in general, you know, what is sort of contained in the book that you hope that people walk away with? What's the, what's the goal? What's the umph of this book that, that you want to get inside of people when they're going out and, and telling their stories?
0: I think it would be the, why are you telling, why do you want this media coverage? What's, what's your goal? Because so often it's, it's like you're filling a hole that's endless, you know, sometimes it's, I just want press and press and press, but why do you want that press? What's the story that you want to tell? What's, what's your, what's the, what's the goal or the goals that you have in mind? So the book sort of takes the reader through um, the, 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 the chronology of it would be first talking about what, what is a story and, and the power of story and also what truth is a truth is subjective, it's whatever you get somebody to believe. And that doesn't mean that it's the same as fact, even though facts could also be, but it's really about what, what somebody believes. And that's, you know, so, so it takes the reader through uh, the history of what, what a story is, and what truth is, how, you know, how the media and how the news, uh, how it's come about the history of that. And then it sort of walks the reader through these three pillars and, know a little bit about our history and our clients and about you know mine and as well as garrett's and then it takes you from okay now that you know your story how do you what do you want to what do you do with it defining your audience you know putting together your media list going out to the media pitching them getting press coverage some of the other tactics and strategies that you can use and then also the most important part the part that's overlooked often And the most important part actually to to growing your business and, and gaining clients is that it's not the end that once you get every piece of media coverage, you don't just leave it there. It's how, how can you amplify it, putting it in your electronic press kit, putting it on your website, having an as seen or as featured in banner, all those things are so important. And then the last part of it is your advanced storytelling techniques. So these are more of, You know, you have your story, but what are some other ways that you can, you know, craft it, make it interesting, sharpen it? So that's sort of the you know, that's sort of the the, I would say the chronology of uh, uh, of the book.
1: You said an interesting thing about sort of the history of news and and how it's changed. How how has news and, and getting press coverage, how has that changed, especially in the recent years?
0: Well, it used to be, you know, you you've, you'd have these broadsheet newspapers, uh, you know, that it was the source of news. You know, there, if 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 you didn't have access to that newspaper, that and this and this is not just from like you know a couple centuries ago. This is very recent as well. I mean, when I first got into PR, we were still there were still editors that were working for uh, or writers working for. Um, newspapers that were there for a long period of time you could depend upon reaching out to them and you could build a relationship with them now we've hit not just a 24/7 you know uh, rapid fire frenzy news cycle with you know very broadcast heavy and and opinion heavy now you also have social media in the mix as well so we're being bombarded just constantly without even knowing it by notifications and so it's really about okay, not only is it about trying to get the attention of the journalists and the producers to tell your story, but it's also about getting the attention from your audience, from the public who are so inundated by information. And that's something that the journa- that journalists take into account as well. So you've got to have something really, not just important and interesting, but you've really got to get, you've got to make it, uh, you've got to have something that cuts through the cuts through the noise. Um, and also the thing is, you've got to tell something that's really memorable because you might get a great piece of press coverage and, you know, within a few hours or a day, it's, they've already moved on to something else. So it's just such a frenzied, oversaturated news cycle. Um, and, you know, and and we're living also in a time where, you know, with Twitter and so forth where anybody can make the news and make their own news. They could put their news, their information out. People didn't used to have that kind of power where they could just go on Twitter, go on Facebook, go on TikTok, Instagram and post whatever it is. It used to have to come from, you know, unless you went out to the town square and shouted it, (laughs) it used to have to come from newspapers and from, you know, broadcast journalists. So it's changed in a lot of ways, but I would say it's we're very uh, it's a very oversaturated and fast paced market now. And and where do sort of some of this
1: like personal journalists, you know, podcasters, you know, like myself, I mean, I, I have a decent little following of this show. Uh, some podcasts have, le- in fact, most podcasts have less. Uh, some of them have a wide reach and they become more like media, like a Joe Rogan show or somebody who has, you know, hundreds wow. of thousands of downloads. They become more like traditional media. But where does something like a podcast fit in for people who are telling their story?
0: Podcasts are really like one of the most powerful, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on a, a great yes, podcast. Yes, they yes they are, but, <laughs> but but one of the great things about podcasts is the 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 commodity of time. You know, most podcasts are at least thirty minutes. Some are an hour. Some are two hours. You don't normally have that. If if you know, I've uh, brought clients to you know many TV appearances where they. They have to get all their messaging in and whatever their sound bites in within three, four or five minutes on podcasts. You have the luxury of getting more nuance, getting more in the weeds, really diving deep into, into your story. So podcasts are very, very powerful, even more than radio shows. The same thing goes for a lot of radio shows. They don't last, you know, they're very, uh, they're very contained. They're very short on time. Also the great thing about podcasts is that you can get very specialized there's podcasts for like every different subject available. I mean, I'm pitching a, a client right now for a book on leadership, and there's a, a ton of podcasts about specific to leadership. Um, so not only can you get really, really specific, but you have this, again, this this luxury of having a lot more time to really delve deep into uh, your story.
1: And what I tell people and tell me if this is right or or wrong, since I don't have your type of background, is if you're going to be on a podcast that's not the Joe Rogan show or something that is, you know, large media, if you're going to be on a show, part of the power of that is then promoting that you were on that show through your own social channels. Because, you know, being on a show called Making Waves at Sea Level, you know, on some level, yeah, it's, you know, I got a good listenership base, but It's not that large. And yet people can take it out and be like, oh, I was a featured guest on this show. So if the show has a good, solid leadership or business type title, you can then take that small show and promote it out to other people. And it positions you and it gets them the ones who listen then to hear your whole story in that longer format.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the, the great thing about, again, about podcasts is you really have time to build a connection with the listener because not only, you know, podcasts often have very loyal, loyal following. So you already have an audience of really loyal, not just kind of like, I'm going to tune into this AM station or whatever. They're really loyal listeners often, and they're taking their time. You know, they want to hear what, what the host has to say, what the guest has to say. But, um, but also, so the guest normally can really build a connection with the listener as well, um, and that's that's real. That that could be overlooked, and it's very valuable. In addition to being able to have something that you can constantly share on your social media channels, you could pull clips from it. You could put, you know, you could use the the name of the podcast, like you said, like that. There's a lot of ways that you can continue to create that build that momentum on the back of the original episode, you know, original interview. So, if someone's
1: looking for a PR agency, obviously they can call Grapevine PR and get amazing service. Tell, tell us a little bit about the service that you offer on Grapevine, and then we'll talk about if they can't afford that and that's not their thing. Why the book is a great option. So, tell us about Grapevine. Yeah.
0: Well, we we also try to remain very flexible. I mean, we have you know we have solopreneur clients, we have uh, you know authors, experts. We also have you know large tech tech companies and and brands. So we, we try to remain very nimble and flexible. Also, you know, I would say that that somebody that gets us, uh, I want them to know that we're in it because we really love PR. We love the practice that it's not by accident. You know, um, so we really love what we do and we really try to we pride ourselves on commu- on he- uh, heavily communicating with our clients that it's not just say, hey, you're going to get an email once a month. You you know, often I'm constantly in communication with clients on it's, uh, you know, sometimes on Instagram, WhatsApp, text, phone call, email at the same time. We really try to be really, you know, really invested within our clients. But if if they don't have the you know the budget um, to invest in PR, the book is great because it really walks them through every step from the beginning of why you're doing what you're doing, what's you know the power of PR, and the power of story, all the way through how do you leverage that story to get press through you know, how do you continue to maximize it, amplify it, leverage it for your greater uh, gain? So the book is a, is a really great asset, um, at least, you know, even if it's a sort of precursor to hiring and you know, engaging a publicist, whether in-house or, um, you know, or an agency.
1: Nice. Well, it's a great book. I've, I've started reading it. I haven't finished it. It's called Stories That Effing Matter by Stephen Levine,
0: uh, Le- Levine and Garrett McClure. Uh, where can they find the book? Thank you. Well, it's available on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, and if you're in either Austin or Los Angeles, uh, it's available in some bookstores like Book People and Book Soup, uh, but, but mainly on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can get it in you know a couple days in the mail. Nice.
1: Nice. Well, Stephen Levine, thank you so much for being a guest on Making Waves at Sea Level. And thanks for your support of the Austin Technology Council, who's uh, co-sponsoring today's episode. And also for everybody listening who loves podcasts and who loves technology, the Austin Technology Council is launching its own podcast. It's now available. It's called Austin Tech Connect, and you can find that everywhere. You get your podcast joy, but... Always come back and listen to this show because we want you to come back to Making Waves at Sea Level every single week. So thanks for listening. Please go subscribe on Apple, on Spotify, or wherever you find that podcast joy, and then go out there and make waves in business. Have some fun along the way, and in whatever you do, find a way to positively impact the people who you encounter every day.
0: Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger.